Hello, and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as the North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. Kevin Folger, and this is Labors in the Harvest podcast. I want to thank you for joining us for this month's edition of our podcast. And again, if you are a first-time listener, we're grateful that you've joined us. And if you're a return listener, we want to encourage you to let other folks know uh, about this podcast. And uh, for our regular listeners and for those that are first-time listeners, uh, we just remind you that these are just conversations that we have with people. And the whole idea of Labors in the Harvest is to find those who are working for the Lord in some capacity, serving Him. And uh, we sat down and just talked to them about their life's journey. And so it's a great privilege today to have a, a young, younger man with me today, a young man who I've known for some time and uh, had uh, the opportunity yesterday to present the Ministry of Spiritual Leadership Asia at the Dayton Baptist Church in Dayton, Ohio, where Pastor Pete Davison planted this church three years ago. So Brother Pete, thank you so much for joining us in Labors in the Harvest podcast today. Oh, it's a, it's a blessing to be able to to be with you, so I'm looking forward to being able to talk about the, what the Lord's done. Good. Well, of course, this whole um, podcast is just about people's life and their their journey of ministry and how God's led in their life. So, we'd like to kind of go back and start somewhat in the beginning. So, would you share with our, our listeners, uh, you know, a, a little bit of your life, where you were born and where you were raised, and a little bit of the background of who you are as Pete Davidson? Absolutely. So, I was born and raised here in Dayton, Ohio. And uh, I was at 422 Lexington Avenue, and uh, I was blessed in our uh, in our community. It was a predominantly black community, um, but I, I was blessed to have both parents um, to to begin my my early early years. And uh, my father is from Long Island, New York, um, a black man. My mom is a Hispanic uh, from Panama, and uh, and you know God blessed me to be able to be born in a hospital that doesn't doesn't exist anymore unfortunately got torn down a couple years ago but good samaritan hospital here locally and so dayton's always uh, been near and dear to my heart and it's something that um i'm i'm very thankful for how god's brought it full circle but but growing up you know um, as i've mentioned mentioned many a times i've i grew up in a very religious home Um, my father was a, a catholic man my mother was uh, a Pentecostal woman, and so it, 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 uh, it's <laughs> quite a combination, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely! And so it was a it was a unique, I guess is the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, just background in my, you know, understanding of God, mm-hmm. and you know, with Catholicism, and at least in our household, you know, it was just one of those things that we did. You know, we went to we went to mass. I was an altar boy from age five to age thirteen, and so. Um, that and my father was an altar boy, and I believe his father was an altar boy at some point in time. And so it's something that really ran in the family. It was more of a traditional thing, 
And so I did have some form of, uh, you know, knowledge of, you know, there being a God and even some of the biblical accounts, but, um, but not a, a big priority on the Bible itself. Right. And so, um, and so I grew up lost, um, you know, confused. Uh, my mother, was, her her church was a lot more exciting. There's <laughs> a lot more, a lot more going on. Um, but that was just my background. I grew up going to Catholic school for a good um, portion of my, um, you know, my younger years. And uh, it wasn't until um, about uh, fifth grade or so where my family kind of uh, broke down, and uh, my parents ended up, you know, getting divorced. Uh, my mom and I um, got placed in a couple, you know other situations. Uh, we um, lived in an abuse women's shelter um, at the YWCA downtown for, for a while, which was just different. You know, mm -hmm. we had a house, you know, we were good. My father was a, a Dayton public school teacher for many years. And so I had some form of stability that most, a lot of people uh, were not privileged to have, uh, but it all seemed overnight to be, um, be torn apart. And so um, it was through that transition that we ended up at a, a shelter out in Jefferson Township, further west um, in Dayton. And that's when I ended up going to public school and learned a lot of bad habits, um, got around the wrong people. And, um, and it was just a bit of a whirlwind um, until my, um, my younger teen years. And uh, when my mom finally was starting to get a place of her own for the first time. We moved into an apartment on the east side of Dayton, which, um, it, you know, you'll find out. I've, I've lived almost every part of the city at some point in time. Mm -hmm. But um, but it was um, during that time that I still got around some wrong people just through basketball. You know, mm -hmm. I, I heard a ball dribbling and I followed it. And <laughs> I met some guys and they, they became good friends. Um, but obviously they uh, weren't the best examples for me. But the one thing that they did help me to do is um, they ended up going to a church, uh, Cornerstone Baptist Temple there, mm. um, because of their basketball ministry. Mm. And so they invited me to an open gym, and then they invited me to get on a yellow school bus to go to church. Mm. And, um, and that's what really got my foot in the door with just a place that was sharing the gospel and, and, and standing on the truth of God's word. And so when a lot of my other friends got displaced because of you know the community and some, some issues that were happening, people kind of got moved around. Um, I, I was blessed to stick around, and um, and it was through there. I didn't get saved right away, but God was cultivating the soil mm -hmm. in, in my own heart, and um, and was getting me to to think and to consider. And I always believed that there was a God. I would, you know, I didn't have siblings, so I would even, you know, pray and talk to God as a conversation, not knowing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but um, but I'm thankful that God really did you know, order my steps in that way, <laughs> unconventional circumstances. Right. But um, but it was through there that I ended up eventually getting into that Christian school, um, had a bit of a rough time, and and then um, I met met some other people, and God really took me from. Well, let's talk a little bit more about that in just a second. But I want sure. to go back and just ask a question. Um, Absolutely, something that I find a little bit curious. Um, you don't hear about too many black families being involved in Catholicism. So, um, what was your experience with that? I mean, were you guys coming kind, of kind of an anomaly, or was uh, because most of the time black folks are either in the Pentecostal movement, or they're Jehovah Witness, or they're um, even Missionary Baptist. Sure. So, so uh, again, what was your experience like in the Catholicism? Sure, I think you know the one thing in the in the black community, obviously, you do have your um, you know some of the traditional um, mm -hmm. backgrounds, but. 
but obviously, um, just like many people, people you know, people end up in all types of things right, and sure. all types of places. Yeah. And then for my, for my family, uh, my great grandfather was from Guyana, uh-huh. and um, and so he came over here in the you know in the early 1900s, um, you know, just as a foreigner and. In Guyana, I believe they they have you know strong Catholicism oh, okay. roots, I was, I wasn't and so I that. believe that when we move, uh, when the family came to um, to New York, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of pretty neat history as mm-hmm. far as um, you know. My great grandfather started a cement company mm-hmm. and did a lot of work in a lot of difficult areas in New York, building housing for the black community, and and uh, actually it was one of the first uh, major black businesses mm. um, in, in that area. Wow. And uh, we even got a street named after us oh. after all that. But, um, but even that itself um, was how I believe we got into uh, Catholicism and, okay. and things of that nature. Right. I was just a little curious about that because sure, you, know, sure. you don't hear a lot about that. And of course, I, Cleveland is a predominantly Catholic town. Yes, and uh, you know, again, my experience with most of the Catholics I've run into is very few, if any, I've ever met a black Catholic family. Sure, so sure. this must be uh, an issue where maybe certain segments of uh, the population. You know, sure, so. and if you don't mind me mentioning, sure. you know, um, obviously my mother was Hispanic, so that was a whole different uh-huh. background. We, um, they both went to their own churches, but at 1.30 uh, p.m., we would go to Holy Trinity, which was a Hispanic Catholic church. Really? So they tried to meet uh, in the middle ground. Uh, but um, but my, the one thing, um, you know, I, I love my father. He wasn't the greatest example as far as, you know, his, uh, the, uh, the Christian walk. He didn't get saved till later on in his life, thank the Lord, though. But, um, but the one thing I will say about him is he wasn't your... Um, if I could say, you know, your stereotypical, you know, black man right. himself. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, he came from different roots, but he always had a mindset to try to, um, to try to stand on his own and try to uh, break down some of those barriers yeah. or you know, those boxes yeah. that right. uh, people try to put him in. So he was a, you know, he was a public school teacher. He was a pilot. Uh, he worked at a, a grocery store at the time. He was a photography teacher wow. at uh, Riverbend Art Center here in the community. Um, he he was you know he graduated from Central State, which is a historically black college here in Dayton. Mm-hmm. But um, but he he's done a lot. Um, he was in the fire. He worked at the fire department mm-hmm. in uh, Mad River uh, Township, and um, it was in the newspaper for saving a young girl's life. I mean, so many different things where he you know tried to break the odds. And so the Catholic Church here it was called Sacred Heart Church. It was an American, predominantly white Catholic church. And um, and then they shut down. So we served there while they were still there at English speaking. But then as they shut down, um, a few years after that, we went to a Catholic church. That another Catholic church came back. The Vietnamese came and opened up that church and had Vietnamese, you know, Catholic services and things. Mm-hmm. And my father came back to Sacred Heart to be able to help the Vietnamese people and help them because he was a music history and cultural arts teacher in the public school system. He played in the orchestra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he helped them with their music. Wow. And, um, and that's how I gained a lot of Vietnamese friends as well and ah, okay. got into some uh, some of their uh, little hobbies so All right. it's unique okay. <laughs> is your father still living or um, no my father passed in um, in 2012 about a month before I got married really before. yes sir so he passed the same year my father passed my dad wow. died in 2012 as well well um, so you found yourself at Cornerstone riding yes, the church bus and then you mentioned you finally got uh, integrated into the school yes, uh, program uh, 
I preached at Cornerstone last night after I was with you, of course, with Brother Seiler. Yes, sir. And as we're sitting on the platform, I mentioned, I, I kind of wondered about kind of the connection. He said, yeah, uh, Brother Pete used to play ball for us. <laughs> so so uh, tell us a little bit about that journey in high school there and, and how that kind of worked and uh, leading up to your salvation, if you would. Absolutely. So, um, so it was the transition from, from public school to the Christian school was a, a difficult transition for mm -hmm. me. Um, you know, there was rules that I wasn't accustomed to <laughs> and uh, definitely more strict in that area. But um, but I was thankful during that transition, um, even, you know, the couple years that I was there, I had a lot of people, um, many of them, you know, most of them that didn't look like me or mm -hmm. come from my background that really poured into my life, mm -hmm. um, you know, had me over especially during holidays where our family, you know, we, our family was kind of broken down. We didn't do a lot of traditional things. I had a lot of people that showed a lot of love to me and um, it really helped in a lot of areas. And so I was very, I'm, I'm, I'm eternally grateful uh, mm -hmm. for a lot of the, the families and people um, that really poured into my life there. But, uh, but I did, I, I, the basketball is what drew me in and that's why it's such a big part of of even ministry today, mm -hmm. uh, but um, but they gave me an opportunity to play on their basketball team, and, and I think that's why I think some people might still be a little upset uh, that I that I left after uh, <laughs> a couple years there because uh, we had we had some some good runs and uh, mm -hmm. we you know it was a it, it was a it was a good thing, but um, but yeah that's that's how I was there, and, and I always look back at that time, you know it was through that time uh, that you know I began you know having a Bible, you know, I remember my mom, you know, going with my mom and purchasing my first King James Bible, mm -hmm. and um, and I, I was excited about it, you know, I when I first came to the Christian school, I had an NIV Bible, and mm -hmm. I thought that was the coolest thing ever, you know, the, it was uh, all colorful, you know, the little teen Bible, it had little categories, it was simplistic, but as I began to be there, um, you know, God began to work, and I just think, you know, a lesson that I've taken away, and then I try to pass along, is um is is some obviously first and foremost the love of Christ, but also patience. Right. You know, a lot of people. You know, I was blessed. I had a lot of. Um, I was already. You know, in, when I was in Catholic school, I was already in a predominantly um, white. You know, school. Right. Um, I had my father, and he had season tickets to go to the opera. I went to the opera with my father growing <laughs> up. Uh, I mean, I was involved in Irish tap dancing. I mean, good night culturally. I could not have been. You were really next. Oh, exactly. I'm telling you, I've had so much, so many areas that I had already been, you know, ingrained in. So, so when I came there to Cornerstone, it was very. You know, it was a lot easier for me right. to be able to adapt to something different. Right. But for a lot of other people, uh, a lot of my friends and people that I came in with, it wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, obviously you have to have, you know, your rules. You have to have your standards and things of that nature. But, um, but if we can really have a, a little understanding for sure. what someone might be going through and try to go above and beyond, even, even, even to the point of sometimes willing to get hurt right. or being used, it may very well be that if you give them enough time that God might be able to work on their sure. heart so that they can yeah. be able to accept the truth yeah. as I did. So did you get saved uh, at the at Cornerstone? So I got assurance of my salvation okay. later on, okay. but, um, but that that time was very pivotal. There yeah. was a lot of confusion going yeah. on in my own mind, right. wrestling for okay. sure. Okay, so um, then something 
pretty dramatic happened in your life. Uh, somebody, an individual that many of our listeners would be familiar with his name, sure, uh, became a big role model for you and uh, really poured into your life as well. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about Brother Kenny Baldwin sure. and how you met Brother Kenny and how that kind of developed. So absolutely. So I was uh, I was going there to that Christian school. I still basketball was you know, priority at the time, but that school and that church, um, more importantly, they went to a camp uh, called Camp Chautauqua here in our area. And it was um, summer of 2007 where I really, to be honest with you, didn't plan on being there, uh, but I was gonna make the best of it. You know, I had friends that were going and so, um, so I was again in something that I had never experienced before. And how old were you at that point? Uh, I would have been 17, 17. Uh, I okay. believe. Um, okay. And yeah, I was uh, I was 17. I went to camp. I had a big silver surfer shiny uh, silver suit, okay. and <laughs> had a had a big old afro. And uh, you know, I just uh, I went and, and I just remember sitting, um, you know, sitting towards the back, mm. and um, and hearing preaching from uh, a man that looked like me, mm. uh, spoke very well. Uh, was very passionate and no doubt believed what he was saying, what he was preaching about. And, uh, and it was impactful for me because, um, you know, he just, just how he conducted himself. And, uh, but, you know, I, I really, I didn't go up to him. You know, he didn't come up to me. There was another, um, another man named Kevin Jarrett, and uh, I call him KJ. It's still hard for me to change his son's name KJ now, but it was a young, another um, man that was around um, Pastor Kenny's age. Um, he had gotten saved previously. Uh, Pastor Kenny uh, really, you know, kind of took him along with him in the form of discipleship and allowed, you know, exposing him to ministry. And and he was uh, he was there and he, you know, shot basketball. He was still, you know, wet behind the ears, if you say, you know, he was still learning. But but we connected with that basketball element, you know, some competitiveness and. And uh, it was through a little uh, a little bargain that we had, you know, if I could beat him one time that, you know, maybe I could get a CD, uh, one of Pastor Kitty's CDs. And I don't think he had that authority, but uh, but he said that nonetheless. And so I, I ended up winning one and uh, and he introduced me to Pastor Kenny. And and I'm 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 eternally thankful for that, because when when we met or when I met both of those gentlemen, I was just in a rough place. Um, I was struggling. I wasn't trending in the right direction. Although I was in the Christian school and I was, you know, going to church, um, I was still, you know, the world was still heavily influential in my life. And um, and when we connected, I'm thankful that we continued to have a relationship, uh, Pastor Kenny and I, and even, you know, KJ for for about a year. And um, and it was through, you know, Pastor Kenny and his family, you know, reaching out to me, you know, calling me, checking up on me, um, you know, sending me. Um, sending me, you know, gifts during holidays, just allowing me to be exposed to like a like a big brother, if mm -hmm. you would. Mm -hmm. um, those are things that really um, made an impact in my life, and and then God surprisingly opened up a door where um, I could move in with him and his family, mm -hmm. and they were so gracious to allow me to um, to transition from here um, to there in the D.C. area where. Um, later on, I got assurance of my salvation. Called to preach, met my wife through their family, and uh, and and just ascended from there. So, how long did you live with uh, the, the Baldwin's? So, I moved, I moved to um, to Virginia in 2008, June 2008, 
and I was there till I got married in 2012. I did a little bit of schooling, kind of took a tour of Bible college <laughs> around the country until I came back to the local church. And, mm -hmm. and um, but, I, but I was there, um, you know, that was still home sure. for, the, for those four years. So what, I mean, in comparison to, you know, where you had been and all of a sudden sure. you're, you're thrust into this, this different family life. Absolutely. That had to be kind of a, you know, a turn your world upside down type of moment. So. Can you speak to some of the specifics of that? I mean, as far as how sure. that affected you and, and some of the things that maybe maybe even struggled with a little bit initially. Absolutely. You know, when I when I made that transition, it was a it was really a risk mm -hmm. on um, Pastor Kenny and his mm -hmm. wife, and sure. you know they had um, three children at the time. Uh, Bethany was pregnant um, with their fourth. Um, here I am. I was 18 by the um, at that at that wow. point in time. I was, um, but I was going into my senior year of high school because um, I had an extra year of eligibility and this, that, and the other. But, but they they didn't know me all that well. Mm -hmm. um, they surely didn't know what the future would hold. Mm -hmm. um, but yet they saw a young man that was in need, and and they um, they allowed me to move in. And so, it, life was very different. Mm -hmm. You know, first off, the structure of a of a family. Sure. You know, that was great to be able to see. And, and something God really used. Uh, I was able to um, see God work even through other individuals that helped um, for me to be able to go to that senior year of school at um, at Fairfax Baptist Temple I was Academy. Ask you went there, okay. And um, yeah. and and somebody took care of, of that bill. Matter uh -huh. of fact, one of my former one of my basketball coaches um, from that 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 school, um, Coach Wilson. He um, him and his family. They um, they just. Uh, poured in and just uh, bought in and it was just um it was there were a lot of differences um i you know when i was here in dayton my mother didn't work she was on disability mm. um, my father you know we kind of got stripped away and then he had a stroke mm. and um and so you know he wasn't really in the picture at that time and so um so i went from struggling um, trying to figure out you know how what i was going to eat and where i was going to be this that and the other to all of a sudden having Having you know this structure of you know where I need to be at what time and and you know you can, you know we're able to eat these meals whatever the case is and and so um, so that that was challenging and there were times where just in the, the that transitional period where there were times where I, I would. I was tempted to leave mm -hmm. um, and, I was and go back home, but and there were times where, um, you know, I was I was gonna get kicked sent home, you know, uh, and so uh, so you know it was it was a difficult transition. But again, that same the same uh, characteristic that I mentioned that was needful at the church where I was here in Dayton mm -hmm. is that same same need that was needed with the Baltimore family sure. and even there at Crossroads Baptist Church was just. Um, the love and the patience, sure. and it was through um, even some long suffering that mm -hmm. um, God really, you know, ordered our steps and allowed me to be really be exposed to a lot of preaching, sure. a lot of, a lot of um, just good, solid doctrine, mm -hmm. just by traveling and being in church. Yeah. That um, you know, I was blessed to get. Well, I've known the Baldwin family for a long time sure. because uh, Brother Larry Clayton, yes, an evangelist out of Cleveland Baptist oh, Church, he and the Baldwins connected oh, a long time ago, oh. and uh, so I've known. Uh, brother, brother Baldwin, senior brother Lou, and Miss yes, Jeanette, sir. and then of course Kenny and Bethany, and then Michael and Laura. I've known the family, and I guess there's a, a daughter involved there yes, as well. Yes, yes, but uh, anyway, um, 
So we've had a long history with the Baldwin family, and of course, uh, Brother Lou Baldwin come a lot of times and preach at Clear Baptist. And you know, I, I have to tell you that I have the highest respect for that family. Just Absolutely. they just uh, done just a phenomenal job, and then of course have a great burden to for the black community. You know, sure. with their sure. their uh, Co Coba uh, conference, uh, the uh, conference on evangelizing Black America, and um, so um, you know. How did God work in calling you to preach? I mean, how what was the what was the kind of the steps, or how, when did you sense that, and what was involved in that call? Yeah, that was you know that was a, a long a bit of a long process. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I when I when I moved, you know, I had thought in my mind that you know I already, you know, I was already saved. You know, I, I was already making some progress, and so, you know, when I when I moved. One of the first things to go was, you know, the fro. The fro had to go. You know, I changed my haircut. Um, the suit had to go in the trash. You know, I had to, you know, I, I began dressing the part. And there were, you know, the my 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 language. You know, just so many things that that changed. And uh, but what I what I come to realize is even when I was at school, you know, I, I memorized the Romans Road. I shared the Romans Road with. Uh, with others and even younger schoolmates and they um, made a profession of faith because I went through the Romans road with them but uh, but when I would go to pillow my head at night at times I always struggled with the fact that I couldn't remember a specific time mm. where I had uh, put my faith and trust on the Lord nice. Jesus Christ and so it wasn't until July 10th 2011 Mm. And that's three years of traveling, three years of being in church all the time, mm. three years of being in the pastor's home where I, I really wrestled mm. with my own personal salvation. And, um, and then I got assurance of my salvation, and it was like a burden was lifted. Mm. At that time, um, my, my, my now wife came into the picture, and we were kind of courting. And I remember she was there visiting me when I just got a conviction like I cannot explain. And uh, I gripped that pew, I probably, I felt like the Hulk. I was gonna rip that mm -hmm. pew off. I was not gonna go forward because I was too embarrassed because I was looked at as being, you know, a, a, some form of a role model, things mm -hmm. of that nature. And uh, But it was in the foyer where I, I, you know, I told Pastor Kenny, I told him, I said, you know, um, you know I'm not I'm not saved. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we, we were able to go in the office and, and get that settled. and. And thank the Lord, although, you know, very confusing. You can imagine for my wife, Makia, uh, at that time, thinking that I was already yeah. already way past this stage. But uh, but I'm thankful she, she made the decision to stick around yeah. and stay along for the ride. But it was after that that, you know, before then I was already starting to preach. I already felt like a, pull, a tug, some form of a, you know, the, a leaning towards that. You know, it could have been that, you know, I was around the past, the preacher all the time. There were other preacher boys there. So I had a lot of influences in that regard. But, but I did take some time to just make sure that it was the Lord. Yeah. And it was, you know, I got, um, got assurance of my salvation in July by the following February. I really felt like the Lord really confirmed that, that, that call to preach. Um, I know I had a burden for some things. I wasn't sure exactly what that call would look like, um, but um, but I know, especially when I hear, you know, Dr. Don Sis, every missions conference, and I hear, you know, John Halsey, mm -hmm. uh, and then Dr. Larry Clayton come, and, and uh, you know, these, these guys, and then of course, Pastor Lou Baldwin dealing with missions. Um, there was always, um, you know, a, a, a desire or, or a thought of maybe, you know, maybe 
I gotta take me back home because realizing they didn't have what I had, what I was being exposed to, and um, and so God began cultivating the soil. Of course, that following February, I got insurance mm-hmm. to my salvation. I mean, I'm sorry. I called so preach. let's talk a little bit uh, about this young lady that God brought into your life. Yes, and, uh, yes. And so uh, talk talk to us about that. How what happened <laughs> there with uh, with the the, the, the Makia? Yes, Makia. Okay. Yeah. So um, the Baldwins um, have a, a great relate. What we had a good great relationship with her family, mm-hmm. and so they they knew of each other real well. She was in school at the time while I was away at school. And they, you know, recognize that she spoke Spanish, and she's from the she's from the Bahamas. You know, I call her my Bahama mama. You know, she uh, <laughs> but she loved languages, she loved culture, so she was enamored with the with French, and she's fluent in French and mm, can teach French. Really? She got a degree in French, wow. and um, and was enamored with that culture. But Spanish really began to be more prevalent, and she, you know, got to take some missions trips and just love the Spanish language and culture of different countries and. And so they thought, well, here's this young lady, and there's this guy, you know. And, uh, he needs help. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, and of course, you know, I'm fluent in Spanish. You know, Spanish was actually the first language that I actually spoke. And, mm-hmm. and so they thought, hey, well, maybe we can make this thing work. And so they played the role of matchmaker, mm-hmm. and uh, it just happened to work out by the grace of God. Uh, but, uh, but you know, that's how we began talking. I was, yeah. I was away. In, uh, in California at the time, and we kind of emailed and, mm-hmm. and then did a little video, which was early stages. So I think we did Skype and you yeah, know yeah. The, the choppiness of all the technology. <laughs> but but um, but we we began to um, to talk and to, to visit each other for for about two and a half years before we finally uh, finally got married. Was she living in the Caribbean at that point, or so she had just graduated from um, from a, a Christian college mm-hmm. um, in South Carolina, okay. and um, and so she did go back. Okay. To um, to the Bahamas and she was teaching there and so it was a, obviously it was a, it was a bit challenging yeah. it was a long distance relationship but it was through that that we really you know we communicated mm-hmm. and uh, God just really you know knit our hearts yeah so we we talked about your salvation we talked about your call to the ministry we talked about your courting and meeting your wife so let's talk a little bit about the journey beyond that so yes, okay sir. now you're married um, you got married in 2012. And uh, so what's happened in, in the interim time, because we're 10 years removed from that. So yes, let's sir. talk about the 10 years uh, interim. Okay. Absolutely. So, um, so when we got married, we actually, uh, we got married in the Bahamas and we stayed there with her family and at the church that they were involved in, Victory Baptist Church, where our uncle pastors. Okay. Um, we were there for about eight months. Okay. And so obviously early marriage, you got the honeymoon stage yeah. and then reality yeah. sets in, right? Yeah. And then, uh, and so, you know, there were, you know, it was a, it was early marriage. We were there at the church and I'm very, you know, very thankful and appreciative that, um, you know, Pastor Ivan Carey and Victory Baptist Church they gave me the opportunity to be able to start to cultivate, you know, my gifts mm-hmm. and and, uh, and really um, work on in a in a lot of capacities. You know, my wife and I we taught a VBS, and that was our first uh, ministry that we had ever done together. And then um, I began um, shortly thereafter. For about six months, I preached. Or taught every Wednesday evening, so mm-hmm. I had to learn how to prepare 
and how to um, you know preach to the congregation, which was different than you know before. Then I had some little Bible studies and uh, with some you know guys my age and things of that nature. But but that was unique. So I'm very thankful for that time period. And and after that eight months, we actually transitioned back to the D.C. area. And um, I became the um, the assistant to the pastor mm-hmm. there at Crossroads Baptist Church, okay. and um, there was a there was a need there, and um, just because of the the relationship that I had with Pastor Kenny and and all that you know how God had used him in my life, um, you know I didn't I didn't bat an eye, and mm-hmm. um, and so I you know we jumped on a plane, we transitioned, and we moved back to the D.C. area, which in theory was was great because here I am, I'm able to. Be able to be a help to a ministry that had been, you know, so gracious to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but at the same time, if you know anything about the D.C. area, you didn't think about the expense, the cost. Um, um, and then early on in our marriage, my wife, um, I believe she was pregnant at that time, and so there were a lot of <laughs> challenges sure. that we didn't realize were coming. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that being said, it was an opportunity to be able to. Um, to serve there at the church, to be able to help a pastor, to be able to be, you know, continue to be exposed. Um, it gave us an opportunity to be able to, to serve in, um, in, in, you know, different capacities. And so we made that transition to Crossroads Baptist Church. And we were there for um, about about three, well, about two and a half um, years um, once we had moved back. And then um, towards the end of that, God really made it clear where, you know, my thoughts didn't necessarily line up with his thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had always thought that, you know, because of how influential Crossroads Baptist Church had been and this family had been in my life, that it was just natural that I would be there, I would serve, um, you know, I would get, um, you know, commissioned, send out, you know, ordained, and, and maybe Lord willing, send me back home mm-hmm. and to be able to do work for the Lord. And, and God made it quite clear that that wasn't what his plan was. And I really... Uh, felt the pull to have to take a leap of faith. You know, you can you can only imagine as a, as a young man. You know, it doesn't. I might have been you know past the age of eighteen. I, I you know I had al- already been married, but at the same time, you know, there, I was still a young man, mm-hmm. and uh, there were a lot of things that I had to learn, even in my own marriage relationship mm-hmm. and and in, in ministry in general, and um, a lot of things that I'm thankful I I, I learned. Um, through time, but I was, I was serving, which was a blessing, and I believe that was, you know, I, I try to honor the Lord with that. But at the same time, I, I found myself, not to the fault of anyone else, but I found myself sometimes um, looking at my own spiritual uh, spiritual walk, kind of being in the shadows, if I if yeah, I could put it in sure. that, where I needed to have my own identity as as a as a man mm-hmm. that is a child of God as a as a husband and as a as a as a now father and so I felt that pull to take a leap of faith and um, and I wasn't sure exactly what that looked like which was scary mm-hmm. um, my wife she came from a you know she was saved at an early age she came from a family you know a, a family that you know had some stability and so we came from different backgrounds and I knew I had to you know we get, God put me in her life for a reason and put us together for a reason and so you know, I began to look at North Carolina. There was a ministry there that, you know, um, I know, you know, uh, Pastor Lubal was really excited about and, and uh, was able to, to try to be a help in. And 
and I knew it sounded like they needed some help as well. So I thought, you know, maybe I could go and maybe I could, you know, just trust the Lord and maybe God will work it out and I can just help a ministry and, um, and serve the Lord with my family. And so we, we made a transition to North Carolina and, um, and I, at, before then, I, I took a couple other jobs on top of what I was doing at the church. I got a Home Depot job overnight. I was doing part-time at a Dick's Sporting Goods. And in my mind as a man, I thought, well, you know what? This is smart because when I move, I can transition these jobs and, and I'm going to be able to take care of my family and all, all that. And God laughed at me. I, <laughs> and it's almost like I could hear it audibly because when I moved, I lost $3 an hour um, it to Home Depot. They didn't have any full time. It was only part time. Dick Sporting Goods. I lost funds as well because of the market being so different. Yeah. And um, and all of a sudden, we found ourselves being in North Carolina. We were at a at a church. Um, there were some good aspects of that because it, I believe that was where what the Lord wanted us to do. But we got to a place where we really had to grow closer together while we had to trust God. Uh, my, my wife had a teaching degree, which she was able to do and really help sustain us while we were in the D.C. Right. area um, because she taught public school and just financially that was the only way that I yeah, that we survived. Yeah, sure. But uh, but when we transitioned, they didn't recognize her teaching degree because of um, uh, her her degree from where she graduated from. So, so, so many, frustrating. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, but looking back, God had a plan sure. through it all. And so yeah. we were in Charlotte for a short period of time, kind of struggled our way there. But my wife, and this is why it's such a, so important to, to marry a godly godly woman and, and get the right one. <laughs> she uh, she saw how hard I was working and we weren't, we weren't being compensated, you know, in a way that we could take care of, mm-hmm. I could take care of things. She found a little article, I think, I don't know if it was in the, in the, in the newspaper or whatever the case is, but it was uh, for a little pressure washing business. And she knew I liked to work with my hands and we were just, we, I wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. I, it, was, it, was, it was hard and, and she just called a job for me or applied, excuse me, for, for a position mm-hmm. without me knowing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was coming back from work and I got a phone call and uh, I, I was confused. I told him, I said, I don't know who you are. I'll have to call you back. I talked to my wife, then I called him back. I said, I'm sorry, go on. <laughs> and, uh, and so I ended up getting in with this Christian, this actual Christian guys that started this pressure washing company wow. that graduated from UNCC. And, and, um, and I started at the ground level, but it was through this little business that I didn't know, I didn't know it, but four months in or four, four to five months in, I went from the very bottom as a, as a crew member, to all of a sudden, I really, you know, I had to pray. I started, I told my wife, I said, we have to take 30 days. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do some fasting. We need to pray and just see what God has because we can't survive like this. Mm-hmm. Because even when I got this new job, financially it still wasn't means, but at least they were allowing me to not miss church and to be faithful to the ministry there. And um, and we, we did that. And within a week, I told those guys, because I respected them, they were gracious to me, I told them, I said, I really love this company, I'm thankful for all that you know you guys have done for me, but I feel like, you know, I mean, I might have to make a transition, and I'm looking at maybe going to Winston-Salem, because I knew of, of uh, Pastor Jason Holly and the ministry there, and I didn't feel led to go there previously, but at this time, I was, uh, I'm, that was an option. And when I told them this, they said, you're not gonna believe this, but just yesterday, we had a franchise, in Winston-Salem in Greensboro, and the guy just walked away because he said he had to attend to some other businesses. And we just said we just said earlier um, earlier this day or yesterday that we need to find somebody to fill 
that void mm. to take over that franchise. And so you can imagine within five months, now all of a sudden I'm being considered to take over a franchise in a place that I was beginning to pray that you yeah. know the God would give me some clarity. And so uh, long story short, God gave clarity, everything worked out. I have a, had a, a gentleman from Crossroads Baptist Church, um, Brother Barry, Cornelius Barry. He's a business owner. He, he drove all the way down through the night to meet me at a Panera at 7 or, 7 or 8 a.m. with these guys to help me to make sure that I knew what I was getting myself into. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, was, I became a franchise owner of, of uh, this pressure washing company there mm -hmm. in, in uh, Winston-Salem and, and I was able to serve there at Haynes Baptist Church. And um, I was the uh, music director and the outreach director. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but that church had never planted a church over a 110-year history really? and never reproduced a church. So wow. there were a lot of people saying that that wasn't the best decision, you know, that how does that line up with God's plan for your life? But as I took time with the Lord and, and took time with my wife to, to, to really see, see God's face, He made it clear that mm. that's where God wanted us to go. So I'm thankful. I haven't been faithful to God in every area, but I'm thankful I, I was faithful to, to do what He had led us to do. And, um, and because it was through that ministry that eventually we would become the very first church plant and God would do something great in our lives and right. in the life of that church. So Dayton has always kind of been on your heart yes, as far as come back home sure. and plant a church in your community. Is that correct? Absol absolutely. It was, a, it, was, it was always a burden and I wrestled with it being my will or God's will. Right. And it wasn't until serving there at Haynes Baptist Church that through patience and through the you know, leadership of, of, of my pastor, you know, Pastor Jason Holly, that um, that eventually through, uh, matter of fact, there was a guest pastor that was there and I was wrestling because I was, I was at the point where I was tired of running this business. Mm -hmm. You know, it had been a blessing, bought first house, got some stability. So God was working in those ways, but I, I, I'm not a, I wasn't called to be a businessman. Right. I, I yeah. was called to preach. Amen. And so, <laughs> I really, um, I got to a place where I was just like, God, you know, when, when, when? It's like that child that's on that car ride saying, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And, uh, and so it came a place where we had, uh, I think, some revival services. A, past, uh, a black pastor actually locally came and visited and preached a message. And I can't remember all about that message, but I remember God was just confirming everything that he had worked in my heart up to that point. And, uh, and it just confirmed that now was the time. And so I went to my pastor and you can imagine he has no experience with church planning. Mm -hmm. I have no experience with church planning, but we believe God. And I'm thankful that he, he, he heard me. Um, we sought the Lord together and God brought even people in our church that brought us to, you know, other, uh, gave us tools and resources like a Baptist church plant ministry mm -hmm. that gave us resources on how to even look at this, mm -hmm. how to accomplish this task. And, um, and God just really just ordered our steps and, and did what I believe he wanted to do all along. So yeah, once you're confirmed that this is God's plan for your life, yes, you needed to get on the road and raise some support. How long, <laughs> how long did that take you? <laughs> yes, sir. So, um, so I had to seek some, some wisdom on that because I had been on the, the call side. I picked right. up the call right. for, for church planners, but I've never been um, known to do deputation myself. And so... Uh, I called uh, I called a missionary and asked the missionaries uh, help um, Brother Johnson that was there in Brazil, 
and he helped me and gave me some wisdom and some pointers and and um, but I you know I, I sold my Chevy Cruze and got a minivan like any godly man would do right and uh, got a two, 2010 Honda Odyssey and I said oh, you know we just we just trusted the Lord and uh, we we got on the road for that whole, I walked away from the from the business gave them three months notice I, I my last day was the last day of 2017 and the entire 2018 uh, we committed to go on the road and, and raise support and and uh, God just you know I didn't <laughs> I know this isn't everyone's testimony and it doesn't make me any any better than anyone else by no means, but I'm thankful in our story that God so ordered, orchestrated that that time where we didn't have to make one random call. It just, one person led us to another person. Someone called and asked if I could go here. Even our connection here with a, with a Grace Baptist Church, Pastor Josiah Kagan, yeah. mm-hmm. um, he randomly called me because he saw me on Facebook and they became like an extension of our reproducing church mm-hmm. there in North Carolina sure. when we made that transition. So so God just ordered our steps. And so it took a, a little, uh, for about a year, um, I would say, of debutation. And, uh, but it was through that that God worked some miracles that I, I had never even seen before. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. So uh, you launched this church in 2019? Yes, sir, okay. that was the first service. So who launches a church and then COVID comes? <laughs> oh goodness! Uh, only God can orchestrate certain things, right? So, yes, sir. But uh, so this church is just about three years old. Is that correct? Yes, we just celebrated three years. Three this past years. April. Okay. Okay. So three years. So we're working on the fourth year, and uh, I'm sitting with you in your church building. Yes, sir. That is just incredible. I mean, oh, it's praise Lord. it's. Uh, I, I I guess this is the target community where you want to to reach. Absolutely. You know? So God gave you this former Kingdom Hall. Is yes. That so yes, we're sir. setting in where the cults were teaching false gospel. Now the, the truth of the gospel, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. The, the Son of the living God, and God himself in the flesh, <laughs> died on the cross for our sins. Yes. That's now being proclaimed here Sunday Amen. after Sunday. Amen. And uh, I have to tell, uh, of course, I, I can't show pictures of your building, but it's a beautiful building. You guys have done a great job in renovating and, and uh, of course had a wonderful day yesterday. Amen. So um, we're kind of going to wrap some things up. Uh, two things I want to ask you about. Number one, I want to ask you about uh, the need uh, and specifically how our uh, listeners maybe could pray specifically for the need among black America. Mm. And uh, of course, all America needs evangelism, but, but if there's an area that perhaps has been a little bit of a neglected mission field, and we don't have a lot of uh, independent black preachers. Sure. So give us just a, a few thoughts about as far as praying for labors in that regard. And then um, then just um, you know, just talk a little bit about your vision for, for what God's given you to do here, and then we'll be wrapping up, okay? Absolutely. Okay. So um, we've been blessed to have a lot of, uh, a lot of help along the way from, from all over the place. Um, you know, even to, to be able to be in this building today, mm-hmm. um, I'm, I'm extremely you know thankful for every church, every family that's um, contributed to the work, and it hasn't been in vain. We've been blessed. We've seen um, uh, close to I would say now uh, around 250 or so souls saved. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe that's accurate. If not, but I, I know we celebrated our, our 200 souls saved um, at least on record. Um, la- you know, last last year, and so. Um, so God has God has blessed us to see fruit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we went from a hotel to a storefront for the majority of the time, and then now into this building. 
and, and God has done, you know, above and beyond. And, and in my mind, again, I, I want to clarify to not put this on God, but in my mind, I thought, you know, you know, after this time period that, you know, hey, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll be done, you know, we'll be self-supporting and, and we'll, you know, go onward. And I still believe that that's, that's coming. And as a matter of fact, I've, I've been telling folks that uh, we've been dwindling down, but I said, you know, either this next April where we celebrate our four year or the end of next year um, that hopefully will be completely, you know, self-sustained and, and self-supporting. And so we're still working towards that goal. But um, as God had blessed, you know, even through our first full year being COVID year, um, when there was, you know, everyone had their challenges, but there were certain aspects of our church plant that we were able to better manage or gauge because of our size, right. uh, because of our area. And so we, got, we were blessed to grow mm. through that year. Wow. And uh, our, we grew internally in, with our relationship with the Lord, but also we grew in numerically as well. And when we ended this past year, 2021, um, we were the largest that we had been. We, we had grown up to a church of about 70 to 75 people, and, and, um, and that was tremendous. And I, I want to share this because I, want, I don't want to give a, a, a false view of church planting. Church planting is a blessing. Church planting, you, you will see God increase your faith like you have never seen. You'll mm -hmm. see God work miracles. But it is also very challenging, sure. and there are some real difficulties um, in, in obviously church ministry period, but even in regards to church planning. So this year, uh, you know, we saw a few families. We had three families that transitioned um, elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, they were, you know, some that were, were struggling spiritually, um, some that just had other needs and things of that nature. And it wasn't anything against us, but, but I, you know, I just believe that, you know, this is part of ministry. And so we saw some of that for the first time yeah. this year. And so, it, you know, it, it, it's changed a little bit, um, but it not, has not changed, um, you know, our, our passion. It hasn't changed our right. focus. And so, um, so there are, um, so financially, obviously, we took a little bit of a hit. Um, but I'm thankful. All of the major projects here at the church have been completed. We are in about, uh, you know, a little over 5,000 square foot building, um, you know, on four acres of land. It's tremendous. Mm. And so right now we're able to be able to continue to have this home base and to continue to do the work of the Lord. We have wonderful people here at our church and we're continuing to see people come from the community on a regular basis. We're seeing more and more people find the courage uh, to now come to this place that they've been curious because they've seen all these different kinds of people coming into this mm -hmm. ministry. Um, it's different from what they view church or what they've right. seen in, in church ministry. And so finally we're starting to see some people come from the community. And so God is doing a great work. Uh, but there are, you know, I believe with ministry, there ought to be some contentment to just believe that, hey, where God has us, uh, we're, we're going to continue to do what God has us to do, and we're going to rejoice in where we are. Right. But at the same time, you don't want to be stagnant. And right. so so the needs, um, you know, there's still some financial need there, mm -hmm. just, you know, us just trying to, trying to you know, continue to work towards being that self-sustaining, um, self-sustaining like we want to be. And then also... You know, there are some opportunities that we have. We do some basketball ministry. We have to go to the other side of town, um, to Cornerstone on the east side of town, to be able to do a basketball ministry. Or sometimes we'll go to other places. But uh, one of the things that we're, you know, we're desiring um, when the time is right is to maybe put an outdoor um, court 
um, out here since we have all this land. You know, cut down. Mm-hmm. So we have gentle. We have people in our church. We can cut down some trees. We can do some things. Um, but there is some finances and you know the black top sure, and the hoops sure. and and um, I think we're gonna try to do an exterior court before we you know try to maybe do a steel building right. at that time and then and then a playground and that playground I know these things sound recreational and some people might brush it off but when you understand that ministry is about people it's mm-hmm. not just about our our church services although they church services are important they have sure. their part. But I believe that if we can maybe put, you know, a playground in the back that's not only for our church family, but also available to the community sure. um, for them to be able to come. If we have a court actually at the church so that people have to come to us instead of us having to meet in other sure. locations, things of that nature, it makes it easier to make that transition. And, and God has used basketball in my life more than any other tool to be able to see people saved and to see people in church and discipled. And so to be able to have that here, it, it would be a big asset to Dayton Baptist Church. And that's something that we all want to accord yeah. uh, of trying to seek. So, so you know, the needs, um, you know, th- those are just some things that, you know, are, are, are things that we can say to, to go to that next level. Sure. The vision. Exactly. The exactly. Vision, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, okay. um, but yes, sir, I'm, okay. just pray for us for sure. And then just speak to a moment about the need in black America for, yes, for, for black um, young men to be called to ministry. Yes. So. You know, I, I think um, I, I want to be very careful because obviously we have been called and commissioned in our churches to reach all people. Right. Absolutely. And I believe that Although we have seen some great works of the Lord and we've seen a lot of great things happen even here in America, in reality, I believe that we as a whole have really failed to reach all people. Right. And, and let me make sure I'm clear on this, not only to reach all people because the fruit is the Lord, I believe that we have neglected to do our part to even um, approach um some people, and it's not just black folk, um, but obviously the black community is a is a big part. And you travel around our our churches that stand on the word of God, that preach the truth, that send out missionaries. Um, man, God is doing some great things, but by and large, you're not seeing not only a lot of you know black church planners, you're not seeing a lot of 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 black staff members, you're not seeing a lot of black believers you're not seeing a lot of black families mm-hmm. and the one thing that I would say is a lot of times with you know our bus ministries you'll see a lot of um, children you know a lot of times they'll go to the most needy parts of the city and a lot of times um, that includes the um, you know the black community and things of that nature we get them in the door through you know the excitement and through the different you know programs that we might have but we have to understand that first and foremost everyone is valuable mm-hmm. and I think now because we've seen some things in our society we are now reaping some of our own failure and we're starting to see the need now more than ever before sure. to get the gospel mm-hmm. um, to to everyone and to do our part but there's just such a need first and foremost to to make sure that we are truly presenting the gospel to every person and then also in the area of discipleship we can't just disciple our own right we can't just, you know, our children first are, should be first. Our, that's our household. That's a, a different level of, of discipleship that we will have with anyone else. But we have to be willing to break down some barriers and to go above and beyond. Even those, even in, in certain communities that we do not fully understand people or cannot relate in a lot of instances, we all have to meet at the foot of the cross. Amen. And I believe if more of us 
would take the time to pour into the lives of of all people, including those that are the most neglected, the most needed, as Christ would, then I believe that it'll allow us in time to be able to see more um, more representation serving the Lord in our local churches, which I think is important. Because you're not going to have, you know, we're not going to reproduce ourselves as far as church planners if we don't have more um, uh, more diversity within our churches in places where there are cities that are diverse. You right. know, if you're in a place, you know, you're in a rural location and there's only a, one set of people, well, I'm not, you don't feel convicted sure. that you have to reach yeah. black folk if you don't have anybody or reach Hispanic folk when you don't have any. But we need to reach people where we're planted. Right. And I just believe that we need to not go out of our way to exclude because there's one sin in saying we are going to say no to a people and only minister to one people. But there is also a sin and a failure to say that now we're only going to focus and focus on one set of people now and we we're going to make a big deal about one and neglect the other sure. you know that's with our with our church i want to make this clear Dayton baptist church is not a black church now if somebody says that it's not going to offend me i'm a black man we have a majority black folk i mean it's not offensive by no means but i say that intentionally because the local new testament church is god's church yeah. And as Christ is lifted up, he draws all men to himself. And we need to do more of lifting up Christ instead of lifting up ourselves, lifting up our, you know, political agendas, lifting up, uh, lifting up culture or, you know, trendy thing. We need to make sure that we stick by the book and lift up Christ. When we do that and we don't put our own fingerprints, even culturally, on ministry, then it allows all people to be able to be drawn by the truth of God's word and allows ministry to be what it what Christ intended it to be. So, I um there is a great need to be able to reach all people, and I'm very burdened. That's why we're here in the most neglected part of the city of Dayton, because there's not a whole lot of economic um, growth or things that would would lure you to this side of town. No, there are a lot of people that are in the city of Dayton that have never been across the bridge. Hmm. But as Christians, that ought not be the case because there are souls here, right? And there are valuable people. Well, as I ministered yesterday morning in your church, it is a diverse congregation, and Amen. I I just think that that I agree with you. I just feel like our churches ought to reflect the community in which Absolutely. they're located. It should Absolutely. be whatever's in the community should be part of the church, and yes, and we're the church. We're, yes, we're not black, yellow, white, whatever. Amen. But uh, you know, we are we are God's people, His children. So I want to thank you for the time, and thank you for. Thank you taking some time out of your schedule. I know um, for our listeners, I'll share with them that you moved on Saturday. And so last <laughs> night when I reached out to you about this podcast, you said I was put, you were putting together some bunk beds. So I you probably still have some work to do there at the house. Yes, but sir. you took some time this morning to meet with me and I appreciate that. Thank I want to say thank you to our listeners for joining us in Labors in the Harvest podcast. And uh, once again, next month, we'll have another guest with us and we'll do a walkthrough of their life and how God has led them in ministry. Until then, let's be faithful to serve the Lord in the harvest field where God places us. The need is great. The Lord is soon to come. We need to be faithful to serve him. Thanks so much and have a great day wherever this podcast catches you. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. 
We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest.